Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So we are in, this is actually the seventh message in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I think it's only the fifth Sunday because we've done a a couple of Wednesdays that were actually recorded. It was really cool. This guy in Australia who we've been connected with for a while, he he stays in touch, guy named Christian, if you're watching, hello. But um, he sent me a message and just real brief, we were talking about some other kind of doctrinal thing. You know, it's fun because I get to field questions from all over the world. It's pretty cool. Praise God for the end. I got one email. It was so snarky, this guy. I'm not going to go there. But anyway, th- this, this one from Australia, he w- we were talking about something and, and about a, a, you know, a really cool doctrinal point that he gets and he's been able to minister to through. But in passing, he said, oh, and so-and-so in my life is struggling with um, things. I won't identify it, but, but um, he's been watching the, sun- the Wednesday night things that you did, and they've been really practical and helpful. And somebody else sent an email Adam probably has it queued to post because we try to post the testimonies that come in. But if you haven't had a chance to go back and watch the Wednesday nights that we did, they're kind of loose. You know, they're not uh, like classroom setting where we walk directly through something. You're wading through some of the conversation. But the first one was we talked about intentionally allowing the Holy Spirit to testify to you about Jesus because that's the first thing that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. He would testify of him. So anytime we're wanting to hear from the Holy Spirit, you first and foremost let him talk to you about Jesus because something in the finished work of Jesus is relative to your life or relevant for your life no matter what you're going through. You know, when we want to experience the gifts of the Spirit, we walk in uh, healing because Jesus paid for it. Amen? We want to walk in words of knowledge and words of wisdom that testify, this is what Jesus did. This is who he made you to be. So going forward, you can expect this because of Jesus having changed you. Your life in the future can look like this because Jesus did something about it. And there may be a specific related to it in terms of a word. Are you with me? Praying in the Spirit is to stir up that new identity within you. It's to put on the new man. It's to walk in the power of the new man that Christ has made you to be, to carry that ministry of reconciliation. And we're creeping into talking about this, this ministry of the Holy Spirit series. It may end up being like 12 messages. I don't know. It's kind of it's extending because I don't want to move too fast through certain things. I want to take time to really expand these topics You know, I want to do a whole week on the gift of praying with our spirit and what that even looks like. Uh, We're getting to the gifts, the offices of administration. We'll talk about all that stuff. But today, I want to talk about being filled with the spirit. Um, We've gone through a lot about what it means to be baptized into the body of Christ. When you believe, when you hear the gospel and believe, the spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ and at that moment, I believe the, the Scripture supports that the Spirit... Uh, that, so the Spirit baptizes you and places you in the body. 
And then at the same time, Jesus immerses you in the Spirit. It's like you get a double package deal. God becomes your Father. You know, the whole, Jesus becomes your high priest and your brother. And then you get the indwelling power of the Spirit at the same time. Now, whether or not you experience the filling of the Spirit or the influence of the Spirit in the moment that you're baptized by the Spirit is it's really up... Well, sometimes it's up to whoever led you into believing. Maybe you didn't know it was available. But here's the bottom line of what I want to say today, and then we'll go back and we'll look at a bunch of passages and, and make it practical for us. When you hear the gospel and believe the gospel, you receive the Spirit. From then on, you have the Spirit. Not waiting for another time to get more of Him or anything like that at all. The only thing that you may not experience in that moment is the putting on of the power of the Spirit, or otherwise known as being filled with the Spirit, or being under the influence of the Spirit. And that's not a one-time event, being born again, baptized into the body, and then being baptized with the Spirit. Those are one-time events, but being filled with the Spirit, it's a moment-by-moment, everyday opportunity. So like, practically, most times when I'm uh, in worship before preaching, I'm not, you know, I'm prepared. I've got ready what I want to say, you know, spend time with the week all with the Lord all week and get all those notes and put together and come in with these, you know, pretty looking slides and everything. But but in that moment when I'm over there, I'm worshiping, but I'm also preparing my heart. I'm also putting on the new man so that when I step up here, I'm speaking out of his influence. Yes, I have in my mind the things that I want to go through, but I'm also wanting to yield to him to let that gift come out. So I'm, oh, and I'm just practically breaking this down for you so that you see you know, how I, one area where I do this, I'm over there praying with my spirit to stir up this gift of teaching, to stir up this gift of whatever, how I'm supposed to function in this body. Apparently stir up the gift of prophecy today, the word of hope for life to come out. But, but I'm not trying to make something happen. It's more so it's like I'm just over there giving in my heart, stirring up the spirit, using that spiritual gift, using my faith, my trust in him to access that influence, access that grace to be yielded to by him. And apparently it works because nearly every week somebody comes up here and says, did you have cameras in our home today or this week or microphone? Were you listening to our conversation? How many of you that's ever happened to? I've said something that directly touched your life. Yeah. Now, that's just because I'm yielding to God and he ministers. That doesn't make me anything, you know. We are donkeys for Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you know the story about Balaam, Balaam was a prophet and he was trying to run away and he was misusing his gift. And then all of a sudden he gets so far out that God has to prophesy him through his donkey. And Balaam is so dim that he talks back to the donkey. <laughs> Oh, and it has a conversation with the donkey. And then he realizes, oh, the Lord is speaking through. But that's us. You know, we're just jackasses for Jesus is really what we are. <laughs> Donkeys through which he speaks, and we just, ah, and we let it out. And I mean, it's King James, right? You're supposed to go with the King James version. I mean, KJV only, at least for that verse. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we want to talk about being filled with the Spirit. Let's just talk about that a little bit. So 
Going back, I want to look at this idea, John 20, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit, to receive His Spirit. Now, and pe so people will say, well, that's when they got born again. Well, probably, yeah, but they received His Spirit to be born again. And so people will try to parse out, well, they received the Spirit, but they hadn't yet been baptized with the Spirit. I don't see a difference in being immersed in the Spirit and having received the Spirit. I do see a difference in, in walking in the filling of the Spirit. So let's break that down. If you disagree with that, that's fine. I would agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. So, you know, that's an old, that's an old one. I could just stop using that. So. Andrew Womack, I got that from him, yeah. Uh, so let's keep going. So doctrinally, we're going to put a few things in place, but then we'll talk about what does it look like for you. Because, you know, because I don't want you to just understand these things. I want you to live a life where you daily can turn your heart to the Spirit of God and experience strength, power, joy. You know, I, I, I mean, praise God if you can prophesy. Praise God if you can do all that stuff. But when you're sitting there and, you're, and depression rises up, I want you to be able to stir up that gift in you to experience the joy of the Lord. When you're being tempted for whatever it is you're being tempted to do, I want you to be able to make a conscious decision in that moment against everything that your flesh might be battling for that you can yield to the Spirit of God within you and not just resist, but genuinely experience freedom, genuinely experience deliverance in that moment where that just, no, no. When you're facing temptation, you can be filled with the Spirit and there's some very practical things that we see in Scripture of what to do to experience the filling or the influence of the Spirit uh, that we're going to get to. But, you know, I, I want everyday practical life experiences where you make a conscious decision to, by grace, through faith, access the Spirit within you, experience the filling of it and the putting on of the new man, putting on, being clothed in power to live worthy of the salvation that you've been given in Christ. Amen? To bring glory to His name and joy for you, that your joy may be full. And then also, too, along the way, the feeling of power to minister to other people. I mean, we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to go into the world and say, say God is no longer holding your sin against you. Be reconciled to God. That's our ministry, to go announce that that you are free. Jesus is your atonement. He is your substitute. Now, believe in Him, and at the moment you believe, it activates all this stuff. So I, I, don't, want us to follow, I don't want us to have a phenomenal mountaintop experience with the Holy Spirit. I want those, but I want you to daily experience the influence and the power of His life source in you for you. And your spouse, you know, because they need you to want that. They need you to walk in. The people that are watching you in your life need you to walk in the influence of the power of the Spirit. And I'm not talking about some mystical charismatic activity. I'm just talking about you're sitting there and you're down and you're depressed and you're grumpy and you're mad at everybody and you're edgy and you respond. And the next thing you know, you go to bed and everybody's mad. You don't have to do that. You know what I mean? You ever, you ever, this is Father's Day. I'm not going to go there. But. 
You know what I'm talking about. All right, let's preach here a little bit. So you receive the Spirit. People would say that's when they were born again, but it was the receiving of the Spirit that enacted being born again. And, and I would say it changed a little bit because from then on, the Spirit is available. We, we went through that last week. I'm not going to go through. But so talking about experiencing being filled with the Spirit, get a couple of things in place so that you understand you have the Spirit. This is Ephesians 1.13. In him, you also trusted after that you... So here's, here's what's very interesting. You see this, and when you really study it out, you see these two things, hear and believe. Hear and believe. When you hear and believe, you receive. Well, that sounded like one of them. When you hear and... I'm not going to go there. <laughs> see, I try to do it, it don't work. But when you hear and believe, you receive. Ha. All right. So in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. See, your job is to declare the gospel. Are you with me? Your job is to trust God and move. It's up to those people whether or not they're going to believe or not. So in him, you also, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed. Say, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, you have him forever, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So when you hear and believe, you, are, you receive and you are sealed. You are, the, so being sealed is, is a throwback to the idea of being anointed with the Spirit. The prophet would anoint whoever was being uh, anointed with the Spirit to either operate as a king or whatever, they would seal you. They would smear the Spirit on you. The anointing was the prophet of God would rub or smear, smear oil on you as a representation of the presence of God, and you were sealed for that task. It's a lot like, the, a lot like Noah's Ark. You know, they were protected. They were put inside the ark, and then, see, and then God's hand closed the door and sealed the outside of the boat. I believe that was literal. You know, there's kind of this movement to, to go back and look at a lot of the stories and look at them as if they're metaphor and allegory. Well, uh, the New Testament references Noah as if they were literal eight people with a literal global flood and a literal boat, and God actually closed the door from the outside with his own hand and sealed it on the outside. I mean, you know... There's talk about where, what would you like to go back and see in history? That's one of the things. I've got a few, but that would be pretty stinking cool. I want to watch that door get closed and see what it looks like. It probably, you know, all right, let's keep going. I'm going to get off here. What am I talking about? But you are sealed. Say, I am sealed. So from then, Romans 8 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Say, I'm in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Yes. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. How do you know that you're in the Spirit? You're hearing angels. You, gold dust is in the room, which I've experienced that stuff. I've experienced some pretty radical things. Not, I'm not downplaying those. What I'm trying to do is get you to root your identity in the foundation of your interaction with the spiritual supernatural nature of God in the fact of the finished work secured it for you. 
You don't have to go searching for all this stuff. If you experience the hoopla, praise God. I'm, I'm not against it, but I've just seen a lot of people Yeah, chase it and, 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 and miss, miss the power of being rooted in God's love for them. You know, so I think about the disciples when God, Jesus gives them power and they go out and they're casting out demons and they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, this stuff works. The power is working. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise God for that. But what you really should be rejoicing about, rejoicing about is that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I love that he did that. He reprioritizes. Praise God. I mean, he had just given them the power, but he walks them back from it a little bit. No, this is your foundation. You know, he knew even back then. So how do you get in the spirit? You get the spirit in you. Now, you might have supernatural. I have had crazy supernatural, hearing voices, all kinds of crazy supernatural experiences, good and bad. But what means the most to me is what Jesus did. I mean, honestly, when I think about all the stuff, I think about what he did for me. And I root the belief of my heart in the cross. Which, as I think about it, I just instantly saw this picture of, of when I first understood the cross. And I could see it's just like, you know, this incredible... So it's like when I, when I was walking through trying to understand and trying to believe that I was actually alive and... I remember having this vision, and I could just see Jesus, like, in the distance, probably twice as far as that back wall right there is what it seemed to be in this vision that I was having. But I could see him, and it was like I was actually seeing him on the cross. And in that moment, time just went away, and I felt like that I was looking back in time, but he was looking forward to me and saw me. You know, I don't know if that actually happened or not. We do know that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Maybe when he was on that cross, God showed him everybody that would come into the family of God in that moment. I, it, it felt like he was seeing me in the future. It was incredibly... I think that's the moment that I got born again when I understood and, be, and believed because everything started to change from there. But So you either have the Spirit or you don't. Say, I have the Spirit. I am complete in Him. All right. So the, here, the Holy Spirit is in you and can come upon you or fill you. Uh, Luke 24, 49, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, I think this was a... Because the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. These are the, this is the fulfillment of Joel Peter standing up in, in the beginning of Acts and declaring this is the time that Joel prophesied that the Spirit of God would be poured out. Now that the Spirit of God has been poured out, I think it's different than what they initially experienced. So we can't build our understanding of the, of the reception of the Holy Spirit solely based on the original apostles' experience uh, because there was different things going on with the Spirit. The Spirit is here now. The kingdom is here now. Jesus brought it. The Spirit has been poured out, and we've looked at some of that. So getting to what we're actually talking about today, when the day of Pentecost, this is Acts 2, 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there were, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them diverse or divided tongues as it doesn't, you know, you get a weird image from divided, but, 
as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they began to do spiritual things. They experienced spiritual gifts, which is actually the word charis, which is the word grace. So it's actually the graces of the Spirit. They experienced grace. You know, so praying in tongues is an act of faith, but it's grace that causes it to work. In other words, God's influence within your heart causing it to work. But you access it by faith. So, but the key thing here is they were filled with the Spirit. Now, did they receive the Spirit in that moment? No, they had already received the Spirit because Jesus breathed on them and they had received the Spirit. So the Spirit was in them. What happened is He came upon them. They were clothed with the Spirit. So to be filled with the Spirit means to be clothed with power or be under the influence of His Spirit. I need a, I need a spell checker. I do these so fast sometimes I forget to read them, but uh, it does not mean to receive the Spirit. So... You might even say the anointing comes upon you or the anointing came upon them, that being sealed with the Spirit, the Spirit coming upon you. See, because back, back in the old, and we talk about this kind of stuff, I reference this, you know this, but to just have it in place here, the way that the anointing worked under the old covenant was God would descend and anoint someone, you know, say Samuel as a prophet or David for king, and the anointing would rest upon that patriarch to function in a particular office and if God became displeased with them or they lived in such a way where they grieved the Spirit or quenched the Spirit, the, the hand of God would lift. The anointing would lift. The Spirit of God would lift off of their life like with Saul when David became king. Now, unfortunately, we still teach that today. Well, the hand of God lifted off. Have you ever heard this teaching? You see, when you're, when you're doing well, God's hand is on your life. But when you start to sin, He kind of creates a little bit of distance there. You know, He gives you free will and His hand lifts off a little bit. But when you go ahead on into full-on sin, then His hand, and He might eventually take His hand off of your life. Have you ever been taught that? You ever heard that? That is whatever the PG version of malarkey is. <laughs> that is illegal. That's an illegal statement under the new covenant. You are sealed with the Spirit. You have the Spirit. Amen? God is not lifting His hand of anointing off of you. Now, in your heart, you might become desensitized to the leading of the Spirit. You might harden your heart to the degree that you're not allowing the Spirit to strengthen you and empower you because it does work through your heart, which we're going to talk about in a second. Your lifestyle, your belief, your behavior, your choices, your music, your videos, your movies, your TikTok time. <laughs> My goodness, that's a tool from the devil. I know it's kind of fun sometimes. <clears throat> All right, so First John two twenty seven. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. Did you know that? Like, you do not need me. You don't need anybody. You got the Holy Spirit. 
please, for the love of... Is that a bad thing to say? Sometimes I don't know those, like, expressions. I've said things before, and they're like, you really shouldn't say that. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, don't let anybody put this daddy thing on you. Well, the, you know, my spiritual papa, father, it's like, I, I get, I understand the sentiment, but just make sure that in your heart, you're not putting that person between you and God, okay? The language is fine, but a lot of times the language points to a belief, and the belief being this person is between me and the Father. They've got something that I can receive from them that makes me more complete, or there's codependency related. You know, you get these big superstars in the kingdom, and they're, they're just pursuing God, and this big movement can happen, you know, underneath what they're doing. But it creates these attachments and these codependencies that we get, and we go in. And then, unfortunately, if the understructure of those ministries a lot of times creates a lot of abuse, abuse because people are trying to climb the ladder. They're trying to get close to daddy. They're trying to be the favored son at the table. Barf. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, if you, and and if, you, if you've been in those circles, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not knocking the circle. I'm just, I'm just wanting to pull the ladders out, you know? It's an upside-down kingdom where the servants look up. Don't, don't let yourself fall for that stuff. So, but as his anointing teaches you about everything, everything, God knows everything. He knows how to speak to you in everything, and he can because his spirit's in you. And you are anointed to hear from him. And you can hear from him on your own. If you were on a desert island and you heard the gospel and you never encountered another person ever, you could hear God clearly. You could have a perfect relationship with him. Are you with me? But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it's true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. I mean, so when, a, when an author takes the time to say, so he says his idea... The anointing you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Then he says, his anointing teaches you, he repeats himself, about everything. And it's true, and it's no lie. He really wants you to get this point. He makes the point, and then he reaffirms it four different times. He restates his point, and then three different times he expands on the point. So get this. You are anointed. Say, I'm anointed. I have the Spirit of God. I am complete in Him. I need no man. Amen? And, then, and then, then we can have appropriate, healthy relationships within the body of Christ and serve one another and be unified to move in to the body. Now, absolutely God will call people and place people in the body in different positions of maybe leadership, but those aren't... The, the idea of spiritual authority, as if someone is your spiritual authority or your covering. You ever been in those circles? Well, who's your covering? Again, there's a very theological term for that. Barf. <laughs> just because, and I say that just because I've seen so much abuse. I've seen people have to go through like trauma counseling to detach from the control in those kinds of environments. I mean, it's, it's like, it's no joke. It's like he said, it's no lie. It happens. He wants you to know this so that the anointing does not come and go because his spirit does not come and go. All right, so let's keep going. 
So now we're going to move into some instructional part. Because here, so this, so like, I'm going to, we're turning the corner down to, this is where it's practical for you. And, but, and there's some, so when we talk about experiencing the Spirit of God, we all become Calvinists. In other words, thinking that God's just making it happen as he's preordained it and however he wants it to happen, that's how it's going to happen. Are you with me? That's an oversimplification of Calvinism, but it's pretty close. That's what we think about spiritual and supernatural things. Now, God certainly is active. He is independent from you. He's doing what he wants to do. He is seeking to bring about his will. So there are things that happen that you're not controlling. You're not controlling him through your receptivity or your resistance. You're throttling what can happen through you. So he is active. I'm not saying you're... He's your puppet. Are you with me? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you have a part to play in experiencing him working and moving through you. It works by grace through faith, and we're going to put a fine point on that. So there's some instructional aspect of you experiencing the influence of the Spirit in your life. In other words, there are some things that you can do to open up your heart and your life to experience the empowerment of the Spirit in your life. It's not just subjective to... One day, the God, move, God moves in your life, and, and, and everything's great, but then he stops, or, you know, he stops moving. You have a part to play, and it's by grace through faith. You have the responsibility of faith to engage the Spirit. Now, faith is trust. Faith is not the crowbar in your hand wrenching promises out of God's hands. Faith is not what you do to run to God and impress Him with and then He releases something to you. Faith is not your power. Faith is, I am persuaded of who He is. I am, per- I am confident in who He is. That's what faith is. The difference between great faith and little faith is not how much power you have in your faith, but how confident are you in who God is. You take somebody that has experienced a supernatural healing, How many of you have ever experienced like a legitimate supernatural healing from the Spirit of God? Praise God. So many hands around the room. Uh, You have confidence that God is a healer. Do you not? How many of you have experienced financial provision? You've ever experienced just like provision or favor? Yeah. You have confidence that God is your provider beyond your capacity to earn money in this planet. Sometimes it comes and goes, but you have an experience. You have a testimony. You can look back and say, no, this happened. I have a confidence in who God is because I've experienced. You're not building your doctrine on that, but it increases the faith in your heart, the trust and the confidence in your heart toward Him. And then something happens in your life, and it shakes that confidence. It's not God lifting His hand. It's not Him putting you through difficulty to teach you a lesson. It's, it's, It's just we react Life does things to us. We get hit upside the head with a baseball bat and it creates a bruising and doubt and it affects our capacity. And some people just slide right on out the back door of Christianity because they're so disappointed and bruised and broken. They, don't, they can't take the responsibility of faith back again to believe into this relationship where God is just waiting to enjoy time with you, to empower you, to strengthen you, to give you joy, to peace. So here's some practical, Ephesians 5.15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, the will of the Lord is packed in. So it's like there, there, there are, the will of the Lord is complex. He desires that no one should perish. Are people going to perish? There are some people that will perish. Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's will in heaven? Well, there's no death. There's no sorrow. There's no sin. There's none of that stuff. It's a place of perfection. It's a place of direct, open enjoyment of his presence. Like that's the will of God. And there are some aspects of the will of God that are related to your behavior. There are some aspects of the will of God that are related to your calling. You know, so we, a lot of times when we think about the will of God, we think about a big bullseye on the wall and we're standing back there as th throwing darts at this thing called the will of God trying to hit the bullseye. The, the will of God is not a bullseye in terms of you got to hit just one perfect little bullseye to be, now I'm in the will of God. There are things that God wants from you in this life and, and you just move toward those. You're not trying to hit some perfect spot as if, well, I'm not really in the will of God if, not, if I'm not doing exactly what God wants for me. Well, maybe you are, maybe you're not. But it's not about just doing that one thing that constitutes you being in the will of God. Are you with me? So that's kind of rabbit trailing. But why is it important for you to walk in the will of God? So let me keep going. And do not be drunk with wine uh, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. All right, so... Don't be a fool. Say, I won't be a fool. Be a Walk fool. circumspectly, <laughs> which basically just means walk upright. Make good choices. Live according to the way that God instructs you to live. Obey God. Obey the commands of Jesus. You know, not to try to be accepted by God. You already are accepted. Not to try to earn favor. You already are highly favored. For one reason, to keep your heart clear before Him because he's seeking to work through your heart and the receptivity of your heart to his word and his spirit will determine the degree to which you experience in this life. And your heart's receptivity is affected by these things. Stay out of sin. Stop it. Say, stop it. Stop it. It's killing you. Even, but in the midst of it, he's still trying to work through you as strongly as he ever has. So, but then we also see here, don't be drunk with wine, uh, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's almost an instruction to be filled with the Spirit, is it not? Do you see that? It's like, look, make the choice. Be filled with the Spirit. You make the choice to hit the bottle, make the choice to hit the Spirit. And there's been some goofy things, you know, preached about that, but we're going to get to what it looks like practically. But I think these are some practical instructions of how you can choose to be filled with the Spirit. All right? One, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You, you ever had Adam sing over you? Anybody in here ever had Adam, like in the moment of ministry? Man, I'm telling you, that's a powerful gift. That's just one of those things, seeking... Uh, speaking to one another in psalms. And there's, there's a little bit more to that. It's not just singing over each other, but, you know, this, this aspect of ministering out of the heart of God is what he's talking about here. There's a lot to unpack in that. But So also, be filled with the Spirit, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
Have you ever done that? You ever been riding down the road or in the shower or even in worship and you start singing, making melody in your heart, in your heart toward the Lord, and then it's like, oh man, I've how many of you have been to a worship service, you came in, you were grumpy, you left after singing in worship, and you feel better? That's being influenced by the Spirit. It really is. Now, do you want to, who wants to be filled with the Spirit? A very practical thing that you can do is sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. What does that look like? You know, whatever it looks like for you. Some of you can actually sing. <laughs> I wish that I could. But I find myself doing that a lot, praying with my spirit, and it's kind of a song, and, and, and it's like, I don't want it to just be an activity. I, you know, I, when, I, when the people that talk to me about being, uh, using the gift of tongues or praying with my spirit, you know, one of the first things that he said, he's like, look, uh, you, know, you, you should always expect to be strengthened when you pray in the Spirit. Just always expect to be strengthened when you pray in the Spirit. You're not trying to make it happen. It's like you should always expect to feel better when you eat vegetables and drink water. You know what I mean? It's like you do this, this is the fruit. This is the result, right? So sing and make melody in your heart. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's another way. Be thankful. I mean, I'm telling you, how good do you feel when you're complaining? And I'm not just talking about feeling good or feeling bad. I'm talking about being endued with power from the Holy Spirit. How many of you have the gift of complaining? All right, let's keep going. <clears throat> just to note, nobody raised their hand. Submitting to one another in the fear or reverence of the Lord. Now, that's interesting, right? Now, that can be used for abuse, but mutual submission is you submit to one another. Well, you just need to submit to my anointing, brother, and then God will give you a ministry one day. No, submit to one another. Submit, say, submit to one another. In other words, when you lay your life down and you intentionally step out to serve someone... Boom, here comes that power. Here comes that infillment. In, in here comes that influence. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's been days where I'm getting ready to preach, and it's, it's I love doing this. I mean, I absolutely love it. And there's hardly ever any time that I'm sitting there going, oh, I don't feel like doing this today. But there's sometimes when you're dealing, you know, like when mom was really sick, those were some pretty heavy days, and I was pretty self focused in those moments, just trying to get myself to a place where I just had some peace in that moment to step up here. And, and, and it's like, I'm, I want to serve today. I don't, I don't want to preach out of my heaviness. I want to serve these people today. And then, man, that power rises up, and it's amazing. You can intentionally choose to lay your life down, submit to one another, serve one another, and that power is available. So these are some practical ways. These are not formulas. These are just saying, you know, look, you can, you can experience God. Here's a few ways to do it. Another way is um, praying with your spirit. You know, prime that pump. Stir up that gift that's within you. Yield to the presence of God within you. Let me just tell you this. If you don't pray in tongues, 
you can still be filled with the Spirit. Because people will say, you know, you receive the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues. I understand, I understand on the day of Pentecost, they were filled and did it. And, and yes, I would highly recommend use the gift. It's incredible. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to demystify it. But I just don't want you to think that you're sitting around waiting for the infilling or the baptism or the empowerment or the clothing of if you don't use that one gift. The infilling of the Spirit is not related to just one gift, okay? Now, some people are probably ready to send me some emails, but, you know. So these are instructions on how to be filled with the Spirit, very practical. Being filled with the Spirit is to be under the influence of the Spirit, okay? Yielding to the Spirit is an act of faith. It's an act of trust. When you first pray in tongues, it, you feel ridiculous. Everybody does. So, not everybody. Some people, it's just boom, and it hits you. I felt ridiculous when I first started doing it and questioned it for months. And then you just keep engaging, and then, and then there are moments where you're like, man, this is... And it kind of, there's a tipping point almost, you know, you feel like you're trying to do it. And then there's that tipping point where it's like, it just goes. And you, you just feel great and empowered and strengthened. And, and you might even be interpreting your own tongues, you know. Anybody ever interpreted their own tongues before? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So we have the responsibility to yield to his spirit. You have received the spirit, but you can still drink of him to come under the influence of His Spirit. And Jesus talked about that idea this way. You know, because if you understand concepts, then you're less attached to certain language about the concept. Because we talk about the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues. But you miss that Jesus talks about the same thing about being filled with the Spirit here. He's describing being filled with the Spirit. On the last... So this is Jesus... Uh, John 7, 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then, thankfully, they explain to us what that means. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. So the Spirit is that living water flowing from your heart. Uh, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this is one of the specifics. This is one of the only specifics we get about how the Spirit flows through us. But it's an important one, and I'm going a little bit long, but hang in there, we're almost there. It flows through our heart. So the Spirit flows through your heart. The receptivity of your heart to the Spirit will determine the degree to which you yield to him and he works in power through you. Can, you. can he override that? Sure, God's bigger than your heart, First John tells us. Uh, but in general, your heart determines how much you'll allow the Spirit to empower, teach, and lead you. Your heart being that inner man. Your heart having eyes. Paul prays that, he, he prays that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Your responsibility is to use the eyes of your heart to look to God 
whether it be going into the Word of God, reading Scripture. That's where you collect your data to experience life. If you want to build a life, you want to experience a particular reality, don't just look with these eyes at the circumstance. Use the eyes of your heart to look at, well, what does God say about this? What does Jesus say about this? What did Jesus do about this? And then the Spirit comes alive within you, and then you have your, the eyes of your heart are filled with faith and more persuaded of the promise than the eyes in your head are. The eyes in your head are looking at the circumstance going, well, I see this, but man, I'm telling you, faith, alive, faith is alive within me. Faith says Jesus paid for this. This is what God wants for me. And it becomes more real to you than anything that you're looking into your life. And I believe what you believe in your heart will then come out into this world and rearrange this physical created world to reflect what it is that you believe in your heart. Amen. And that's why I love quantum mechanics and quantum physics because you look into, you know, one of the most incredible things that we've discovered in quantum, we, as if I'm a physicist or something <laughs> like that, we as humans have discovered about the quantum level. You know, quantum just means smallest possible observable parts of, of physical existence. And then, and then we hear in Scripture that you can clearly understand the things that are not seen by the things which are seen. I love to look at the quantum stuff because we walk away from quantum theory realizing human observation affects how matter works. Human observation, the very act of observing with an expectation. In fact, in these studies... And, and man, there's so much. I'd love to jump into this. But in the studies, matter, physical created material realm, will respond to not just the, the act of observation, but the intention of the observer. Like it actually changes what it is at a molecular level to a wave or a particle based on whether or not that human expects it to be a wave or a particle. Again, I know that's like this big landmine, but the point being, we affect reality. And the beliefs of your heart, fueled with the Spirit of God, can rise up into your life and change your reality. Out of, you know, above all else, guard your heart, because out of your heart flow the issues of life. Uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And then I love the studies of heart, uh, heart math which is an institution, it's not a Christian institution, but they've done studies on the actual physical heart and that heartbeat that you, you know, when you put those things on you and you experience, you measure the electrical thing in your heart, thing is a really technical term. Uh, they're not actually measuring the beat, they're measuring the electric current coming off of your heart. They've done studies to measure the electric current coming out of your heart to, I think, like, as far as they cared to go, and it's that impulse, that electrical impulse coming out of your heart that we're all doing. So imagine right now, your heart is beating 70, 80 times a minute, and every time you beat, there's an electric, and it's, and it's electromagnetic. In other words, it interacts with the world around us, and it can affect the world around us. I see the beliefs of our heart as we are expecting death and destruction, or we are expecting life, 70 to 80 times a minute 
you're putting your beliefs out there just on an electromagnetic perspective and the world around you is responding. Absolutely, I think we walk into a room, you get around somebody and it's like, ooh, uh, vibes. I'll get some vibes here, you know, it's like, that, that's legitimate. I think we are very receptive to each other. We tune each other. We attract or repel each other based on just the biochemistry going on in our bodies. Your heart is more than just a nebulous concept within you. It is a facet of you that is affecting your life. And the beliefs of your heart are affecting it dramatically attracting to you those people that are healthy for you or abusive to you. You ever known anybody that they just keep attracting the same abusive person over and over and over, but they're just in a different body? Are you with me? You know any broken men or women that they just keep getting in these relationships? And it's like, man, that one's just like the last one. Well, how does that keep happening? You put 100 people in the room, two of them are drunks, they're going to find each other. I mean, I'm not kidding. They've done studies on that kind of thing. We, there's something going on at a deeper level that we are ex interacting with each other in a way where we are affecting each other. And science tells us that we actually affect the state of matter. I think when Jesus was like walking on water and, and doing things in the earth, multiplying food, I don't think he was doing something that was impossible. I think he was just affecting the created world in a, with higher laws. So that's what, that's what we see in quantum physics, too, is that the smallest bits of reality seem to have a different set of laws than the micro bits of reality. There seems to be two different sets of laws of physics happening. Well, we're in the same place. There's kingdom laws of physics, and there's this created realm of physics. But when we are firmly rooted in believing and experiencing the kingdom, it can affect this realm. I don't think Jesus had to pray and say, Water makes something impossible happen. Water is designed to respond to the intentions of human. I think he just needed to walk, walk, and that was the shortest path, and that water rearranged itself to match his expectation. Now, that might be pretty radical, and I'm not trying to, de de I'm not trying to remove all the power out of miracle, but maybe miracle is just when this world actually acts like it's supposed to in response to the kingdom. So how you yield to him or drink of the wellspring, how do you? Uh, how do you? How do you? So let's jump. I'm going to So I'm going to talk about the gifts because how, how do you yield to the influence of his spirit through your heart? Let's talk about with that for just a second. So we know that the word gifts equals grace. Grace is not just his favor in your life, unmerited favor. Grace is his influence within you. So how does grace work? This is how grace works. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So here's the idea. Him working through your heart is an influence. It is grace. The gifts of the Spirit working through you is grace working through you. 
You want to access God working through you. You want to intentionally engage in the power of being filled with the Spirit. How does grace work? You access it by faith in which you stand. You make a decision. You believe. You choose. This is the promise. The Spirit of God is within me. I can sing a melody. I can sing in my heart. I can rejoice. I can be thankful. I can use the gift of the Spirit. Those are faith accessing by grace the Spirit. Are you with me? You get to choose it. So how does grace work? Well, you first off have to ask, how does faith work? Faith works by love. I'm cramming all this in here. This is actually the meat of what we're talking about. But faith works by love, Paul tells us. I, I thought I had the scripture in here, but I don't. So faith accesses grace, which works by love. Sounds a lot like abiding in him and allowing his love or his word to abide in you, right? So where else do we see the idea of his love within us through our heart to experience strength? Because we're talking about, I don't want you to just be in a position of thinking, God, would you please show up and work in my life? Would you please use me today? You have a part to play in that, and that is you access grace by faith. So I think this passage here gives us a very clear expression and description of that process. This is Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to his riches and glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ, or the anointing, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, say love, may be able to comprehend or understand or experience with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the fullness of God. How does it work? He prays that you would know His love for you and you would allow Him to pour His love through your heart so that you would experience being filled with the fullness of God. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Let him love you. Let him love you. You want to walk in power? It's not about getting a new anointing. It's understanding God's love for you because that in turn then becomes compassion toward other people. Are you with me? It's pretty simple, really. To be filled with the Spirit to the fullness of God is to allow him to pour his love through you. That's what he just said in Ephesians. Uh, do you want to be under the influence and walk in the gifts? Cultivate love. Become aware of God's love for you and let love be your motivation toward others. I'm, I'm actually kind of setting up where we're going to go in the next couple of messages. Love never fails. You know, when you try to give somebody a word, that, that might fail. We know that, you know, words of prophecy, all that kind of stuff, it's, it, it's fail. I mean, have you ever prayed for somebody and it didn't work? Sometimes our best efforts don't work, but love never fails. So we're going to get into the gifts. We're not waiting on God to give us something else. We're not chasing the gifts. We're responding to God's love by loving people. We have His power to minister to people as we walk in love. You want to walk in the power? Walk in love. Operating in the power of the Spirit is the fruit of God's love for us, and our compassion for others. The Spirit will lead you when you express compassion to others. So we're going to talk about walking in the graces of the Spirit. 
But the idea is this. For you personally, if you want to experience the flowing of God in your life, meditate on his love. Sit and understand his love for you. Look at the finished work of Jesus. And, and I, you know, so what I love to do is kind of deflate the mystical, you know, big thing that we think we've got to engage to experience God. No, let him love you. That will empower you and strengthen you more than any experience that you can have. And then that love turns toward as compassion to other people. Amen? So when we start talking about the gifts and all of that kind of stuff, the underpinning is love. And I don't think we can really truly talk about it properly until we have the love facet in place, understanding that it's a something that pours out of us, through us. The power works through you as you are experiencing God's love for you. That's how we're going to frame it and move forward when we talk about the gifts. Sound good? All right, let's stand up. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for your Father's heart toward us, and we just acknowledge, just, just, just tell him Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Well, thank you for being a good father in our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not throwing us away and not relating to us based on our failures and our behaviors. You relate to us based on our sonship. You relate to us based on us being adopted into your family. You wanted us. You chose us in Christ, and we say yes to you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you, Father, for being such a good father in our lives. Thank you for being willing to be generous to us. Thank you for teaching our hearts to be generous to sow into ministry, to sow into kingdom, to sow into efforts in this earth, to expand the knowledge of your kingdom and declare your gospel forward. Father, we have so many things going on. I just speak uh, financial freedom over every person in this place that we experience generosity. Father, I, th I thank you for that word that you gave us in the beginning of having a renewed hope for life so that when we walk out of here today, we're going to pay attention to those little things that you are speaking to our hearts, and we're not going to neglect hope. We're not going to neglect hope. And then we're going to cultivate your love for us and walk in compassion toward others. Father, thank you for opportunities this week to love people. And as we intentionally love people, we yield to your spirit to be strengthened and empowered by you, to lavish upon them all of your gifts and all of your grace. Father, I thank you for the broken families. I just speak restoration and health. Father, I thank you that you're comforting those who, who these kinds of holidays have difficult connotations and it just brings up all type of trauma. Father, I thank you that people that might be experiencing those kinds of things, you're just helping them lay down that burden. You're, you're helping them experience peace and restoration and healing that they can let it go and move forward. But most of all, thank you for hope for life, hope for life in your name. Amen.